happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts, I'm the Side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, Mr. Tad the Side. And Tad, we are close to the divisional round. When it comes to the playoffs, we're moving right along here. It's uh, it's going to be an exciting four games. Uh, we got the two on wow. Saturday. We got the two on Sunday. Um, yeah, no, I'm super stoked for it. I wouldn't say all four are gonna be exciting. Uh, there, okay, it's, it's like it's like it's it's half and half. It's half and half. Sure. So, okay. but you know what? Who knows? This is the beauty of the NFL playoffs. Is especially we're gonna get into this later. But uh, one of my predictions, I'm not expecting a close game. And the entire time writing notes, I'm like, this is gonna be a close game. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so we'll we'll see. But you know, I hope I'm wrong. But I, I really only predict two good games out of this. Yeah, we will see exactly how it all plays out. But, I mean, obviously you get a game like the Los Angeles Chargers versus Jacksonville Jaguars, and it's like you think it's going to be a blowout, yeah, and all of a sudden they come back the second half. You, so you and like, I both call that one very wrong. Yeah, exactly. So you never know what's going to happen in the NFL. That's why you have to play the games. It's not just what's on paper. So we will see how it all plays out this weekend and who will be moving on to their respective championship games in each conference. Like, I mean, we're almost there. The Super Bowl is almost here. Would you say they play to win the game? <laughs> yeah, safe to say that. Safe to say that. And the you Jags know, are who we thought they were. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, you know, you want to play to win, and your best way to sort of play to win is to partner with our partners at Bet Online. Because, I mean, the playoffs are going on right now. You got the NBA in midseason form here coming up on the all-star break. You know, pretty soon, Tad, we're going to have pitchers and catchers for MLB. So, I mean, yeah, it's like Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, MLB, NHL, MMA, esports, tennis, boxing, golf. They got you covered on all fronts. If you want to bet on it, I bet you our friends at Bet Online got you covered there. So head to Bet Online today on your computer or mobile device and join, and you can receive a 50% of a welcome bonus on top of your first deposit. Just use our promo code Believe. That's capital B L E A V. And like I said, you can receive a 50% of a welcome bonus on top of your first deposit. Once again, our promo code is Believe, capital B L E A V, and you can receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. So. Tad, we got two great topics that we're going to get into. One, we already sort of teased a little bit. We're going to be doing our predictions for the NFL divisional round. Um, that's going to come in the back half of the episode. But we're going to start with some fantasy-related topic, with a fantasy-related topic, I should say, specifically, of let's sort of look forward to 2023. And we both wanted to sort of highlight some players that, you know, we're possibly going to be targeting in 2023 fantasy league drafts never too early and, to look at never exactly too early to and look players at. that we're looking to avoid just because based on what we saw in 2022 potential like you know target share or you know carry share or whatever it is that could be a p issue going into 2023 obviously with free agency playing a picture the nfl draft could play a picture but just like yeah guys that we sort of like and don't like as we sort of head into the 2023 fantasy draft season i mean we still got a long way to go until that season but it doesn't hurt to sort of give a quick look as far as like you know players that you may want to keep on your radar as far as guys to grab and guys that you may want to let other people in your league grab there. So Tad, uh, let's start with guys, you know, and cap is very interested in this. Cap too. is he's, like, Oh, I'm all in on this. He's ready for his 2023 fantasy prep for sure. So definitely let's get into this here, Tad. So I want to hear who are, who is a guy that you're targeting in 2023 drafts? Like, you know, they well, just had a little bit of a sleeper year in 2022. They came on strong at the end or something. It's just like, guys, it's like, you know, he can have a solid year in 2023. Well, first things first, speaking of uh, pitchers and catchers reporting, one of the hardest things to do about this segment was I kept looking up like, you know, 2023 outlook, like fantasy outlook or 2023, like promising young players and stuff. And all I got was baseball. I don't yeah. care about your, your Strema keys or whatever the hell his name is. I don't care about how this random ass catcher is going to do. I'm talking about football here. And it was very hard to find, which shows how early it is. So this does not count as any predictions or anything no. else. We're just having some fun with it. 
look, I mean, I rode hard for a, a particular Steelers player all offseason by the name of Kenny Pickett. And surprisingly, he is not my pick for this. It is the guy he's throwing to is George Pickens. I think this is a prime definition of a sleeper going in next year because George Pickens, let's be real. He's not going to be at the top of anyone's. I'd be surprised if he broke anyone's top 10 receivers, but I do think he has that potential to get there. So let's talk about why. I think the more familiar he gets with Kenny Pickett, and this part is really important. The more familiar Kenny Pickett gets with taking those first team snaps. Kenny Pickett lost a lot of offseason uh, experience. Because it was Trubisky taking most, if not all, of the – I still remember that being a story. Oh, Kenny Pickett hasn't taken a first-team snap, and it's week three of the preseason. How good is he really? Well, that's over now. Pickett is now the unquestioned starter, so I think he's going to get a lot of value from that. So Pickett's going to get better, hopefully, and that will increase the chemistry. That's already looking good, and I'll get into that in a bit. But going back to Pickens – he saw five or more targets in three of his last four games of the season, including two touchdowns in that span. So I'm not going to say he was like incredible, like mind blowing, but he did end the season on a pretty good note. And look, I know it's not, I don't know, uh, statistical or anything like this, but it's just the eyeball test. You could just see that chemistry between Pickett and between Pickens start to grow that you just could kind of tell they had that type of relationship where they just understood each other's play. So again, with Pickett having the entire offseason with Pickens, I really think people are underestimating how valuable, how valuable, excuse me, that's going to be. On top of that, again, with the eyeball test, Pickens is just an athlete, dude. Like some of the catches this guy made this year were insane. And it, it really does. God, do I do this gap? Fuck it. I'm going to do it again. It reminds. Uh, don't shake your head. Oh, don't shake your head yet. You're about to shake your head even harder. Hold on. Yeah, let's hear it. It reminds me of a young Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> I'm telling you, I okay. will stick by that. Okay. Man. He, you can just see the, the, the roots there of, you know, a, a true athlete that once he, you know, starts training in the NFL and gets used to it and builds up. Like it, it's just, I really do believe that George Pickens will be the next, I'm not going to say great NFL receiver. And honestly, you can make an argument that OBJ was a not great NFL receiver. How about that for a hot take? But Oh man, I was hoping for a stronger reaction no. from you. For our for our listening really? audience, you just emerged just gave me kind of like a meh response. But yeah. you know what? I'll I'll take I it. I could go I either way on that one. But yeah, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> all right. But it's just one of those things where like I think that Piggins has all this potential to develop. Now the real question is, will he take advantage of that potential in the second year? That's a risk right there. So I think if you're in, sitting in the sixth to eighth rounds, he will probably be there. And that is a great great risk to take and i'm um, i obviously i only make the comparison of like in terms of draft value he reminds me a lot of josh jacobs the 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 risk is there absolutely but the reward is there as well and i did call josh jacobs being a sleeper last year and look how that turned out so i really think that george pickens is a great risk to take in the mid rounds now i will say the one bad thing about this is that somehow uh, Matt Canada is still their offensive coordinator. I don't know why. Uh, I would love to know what pictures he has of Mike Tomlin because th they must be doozies. But, you know, it's it's not a huge concern because he clearly proved he can still produce that offense. And here's the really nice thing. They still have Deontay Johnson. So it, you don't have that worry about like, oh, this is an up-and-coming receiver. We're going to focus on him. I think that's what happened to Drake London. I know the whole Calvin Ridley thing happened as well. But people realize Drake London's legit, so they focused on him. So you don't have that whole focus problem because if you focus all on uh, Pickens, Deontay Johnson's going to light you up. So they have to spread the field, so you kind of avoid that worry as well. So I like honestly, I, I need to kind of do a little bit more research, and we'll probably touch on this in the offseason. But – George Pickens might have my pick for my favorite sleeper of the year going into next season. He's not a bad pick because, I mean, you clearly saw it in both of their rookie years, both Pickett and Pickens. And it's like usually – Well, not according to Alfred Rowe with Pickett. <laughs> but usually you see this in training camp where it's like, you know, you see the second string and third string quarterbacks. They sort of rely on the second and third string mm -hmm. receivers then. So it's like going mm -hmm. into training camp, you're already used to that chemistry. So it's like once you actually get game action, then it's like, who are you looking for? The guys that you've already built timing yep. and trust in chemistry with during training camp and practices during the week. So it's like, 
automatically you can see why Pickett was looking Pickens' way. And so, yeah, definitely with Pickett being the starter now heading into 2023 and beyond, Pickens is definitely going to increase his target share in that offense. Because, I mean, yeah, Deontay Johnson is great. But, yeah, if you see this chemistry already, it's probably going to build further and just going to have another great one-two punch in Pittsburgh that just – it always baffles me that Pittsburgh has these great receivers because we've always talked about this. They the AFC North is quick, built yeah. on good running and good defense. And so it's just like, where are these great receivers all of a sudden coming from? I know we're shifting into more of a pass-first league, so that's why you see Cincinnati with their great receivers mm-hmm. in Chase and Higgins and Boyd. And it's like Steelers have always had it. Um, Baltimore's not gotten on the picture there as far as what they haven't. Oh, we'll, we'll get into Baltimore. Trust me. Um, but Cleveland's doing pretty good. They got Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Is really great. I got a lot of a uh, little bit of Joku. optimism with David Bell, but yeah, overall, just to jump back to the point. I like Pickens in 2023 too. Well, speaking of jumping back, is it Pickens is Pickens 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 is yeah. Pickens? Yeah. You said Pickens is. Well, I think I was referring it to like their chemistry with Pickens, so that's why I was like that apostrophe at the end, right? Yeah, but that doesn't make a Pickens is Pickens is right. That's no, it is. it's just Pickens. If the apostrophe goes to the end of the S, it's just still just Pickens, just with the apostrophe. I don't know. I like to emphasize it so then people know. <laughs> okay. So Pickens, <laughs> Pick, but you are correct. Pickens's targets are going to be absolutely phenomenal next year, in my opinion. Yeah. So let's shift to the quarterback position here, and I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence, quarterback with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm pretty okay. sure he's going to be All on right. a lot of people's. Sorry, radar as far as like being one of those sleeper quarterbacks that can possibly do really well for you because god ted it's crazy what good coaching can do because clearly we saw in his rookie year that that or, whole or is it crazier what bad coaching can do it's both you can look at either side of the coin whatever you want to look at but it's just like it's crazy just what happened in a matter of just one year what they qualified well i mean urban Meyer's qualified too but i mean let's not well, d- jump down that let's not jump down yeah, that rabbit okay, hole yeah, just, no, 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 you're right you're right <laughs> doug peterson totally came in revitalized the culture definitely got the most out of trevor lawrence he finished the season as the seventh best fantasy quarterback in standard ppr leagues finishing with 295.62 points um Honestly, he was kind of up and down all season. There's a lot of times where you saw him do really well. Then there's times where he's sort of like, you know, not looking as good. You're wondering of like, okay, is it still going to require another year before we could fully unlock the, you know, number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence that a lot of people were expecting. Um, but honestly, Tad, he totally started to come on towards the back half of the season because he had a seven-week span between weeks 10 and week 16 where Lawrence was ranked as the fourth best fantasy quarterback. I tried, like he was I tried just, so I, hard to trade for him. I tried <laughs> so hard to get him on my roster. Yeah. And I mean, he was just absolutely dicing up defenses. He was taking what was given to him. He was really playing into the offense. I mean, Travis Etienne started to merge at that point and then Ingram started to merge at that point. So just the offense overall just really got on the same page and they really started to get clicking. And that's when this team took a turn and obviously they ended up winning the division. So, I mean, that's really just what, like I said, it's crazy. That's not a total order. Let's not act like that's an impressive feat. No, that's true. Tennessee did slide a little bit but it's still impressive what jacksonville could do right so yes no, that's fair. that's fair. I, now you need look, to ship I'm, I'm shitting on a team that just pulled a 27 point comeback like i i have no room to talk and i'm wearing exactly. a patriot shirt so exactly. what the hell do, do I, uh, I, so I, let's shift things to 2023 here because it's like you have most of that offense coming back but now add in calvin ridley into that offense like i mean that's just the match made in heaven for trevor lords like i mean you got a guy who's a former thousand yard receiving uh, receiver like i mean he's just so dynamic with his routes he can catch pretty much anything that comes his way so it's like you add that guy to christian kirk in the offense they have zay jones who was sensational all season mm-hmm. long um evan ingram's going to be very interesting i'll get into evan ingram a little bit later in the episode here but just he's been really great this entire season the offensive line protected travis that's they can use him in both facets as far as rushing as well as receiving so i mean it's like all of that really translates into trevor lawrence potentially finishing in the top five and the biggest thing as to why i'm targeting him tad is that he will be drafted outside the top five for the position in 2023 draft oh, 100%. so no he so it's like will. That's great value. Like Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, if, assuming Aaron Rodgers doesn't retire, he will probably go higher than Trevor Lawrence, which is ridiculous. It's possible. I mean, 
Rodgers didn't have the greatest season in 2022, which we obviously predicted as well that he was going to have a down year. Mm -hmm. Um, but just there's still a lot of quarterbacks. There's a lot of people that are going to think Russell Wilson's going to bounce back. Obviously, you got oh, Mahomes, you got your Josh <laughs> Allen, you got your Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, depending where he signs, he could be higher. Jalen Hurts will go higher. Kyler Murray possibly. So there's a lot of quarterbacks Dude, that are going to go higher. If you draft Murray than over Lawrence, Lawrence, you're insane. So I'm just saying that it's just like he's not going to be in the top five at the position. So if you can get him later in your draft and build out the rest of your roster, oh, man, you could totally reap the rewards mm -hmm. of Trevor Lawrence finishing in the top that's five, mm -hmm. but you're getting him in the middle to later round. So, I mean, it's like that's why I'm totally tra targeting Trevor Lawrence in 2023. Well, I'm so glad you brought the Calvin Ridley point because and nothing against Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, I, I, I don't remember if it was on the show. I think it was off the show we were talking about this. Dude lived up to his contract. Everyone's making fun of it, but I mean, man, he he, everyone, including us, we were making fun of the contract, uh, or at least I was. But he lived. We both were. We both were. Okay, thank you for the support. But yeah. um, that is exactly what the Jaguars' offense was missing. What's our deep threat? What's mm -hmm. a guy we can absolutely bomb it to? They got that for pennies on the dollar because the NFL is so stupid. But, okay, whatever. That's I'm not going to get into my whole rant about that. Even though they're stupid, it wasn't his own games, and it's betting. Who the hell cares? Anyway, my entire point is this is now, like you said, one of the most complete offenses in the league. If the Jaguars were smart, they would go the route that the Cincinnati Bengals went about last offseason where it's like, okay, we got our receivers. We got our tight end. We got our quarterback. We got our running backs. We need to invest everything into our offensive line now. Like, I don't care, and this is – I haven't done any research on this. I don't know who any of the free agent offensive linemen are off the top of my head. But on the Jaguars, I, it's the uh, it's the Futurama meme. Take all my money. Like, shut up and take my money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, just exactly. go for that because, yes, this offense has – and I hate this segment so much because they are going to smash the Colts next year again. and. Yeah. It's one of those things I, I just have to accept because they are very quickly building up to become a very good – I won't say super team, but a very good contender in the playoffs going forward. And it, I'll tell you who really hates this is Titans because the Titans mm -hmm. are in the – like they were so close, but they're not quite there. And I think the Titans are kind of hitting this like downward yeah. spiral a little bit. So they're going down the hill and the Jaguars are climbing yeah. up. That's exactly what's yeah, happening right now. Uh, yeah. So, no, I think I'm right there with you. And, and especially what you said about draft strategy, let everybody else overdraft on quarterbacks. Because, I mean, what would you say? He was seventh quarterback? He finished as the seventh best fantasy quarterback, correct? Uh, I'd be shocked if he didn't finish higher next year, to be mm -hmm. totally honest. As I said, I think so, he's going to finish in the top five. And yeah. he can draft it no, I agree at the top five at the position. So I think that's where the value is. So right. let's keep and things rolling here, Tad. Let's go with the next uh, next position here. The, who's another guy that you're targeting? Uh, I'm targeting Tony Pollard. No. I'm just kidding. It's Tony Pollard. Because he is so <laughs> good now. He is so good. <laughs> he is so good. It's actually funny because I almost blew that joke by pronouncing it correctly, which would have been hilarious. <laughs> but – he is so good now that I finally learned how to uh, pronounce his name correctly on the first try. Yet he is not so good that the Cowboys aren't still not giving him the starting job. It is super confusing. I was a Tony uh, Pollard guy. See, I even struggled right there. I was a Tony <laughs> Pollard guy. Uh, I had him on my roster this season. It was the most frustrating thing. though. I, I honestly felt bad for the guy because usually when you have a frustrating player on your roster, it's the player's fault. This yeah. is one of the rare cases where it's not the player's fault. It's because Mike McCarthy is a fucking moron. It <laughs> drives me nuts. And this is the one thing me and Cowboys fans have agreed on, I think, my entire life. Is like since I, I almost went back and found the specific week, but really who cares, is about the halfway through the season, everyone here in Dallas was like, why are we not starting Pollard? And that talk never died down. It yeah. died down a little bit. After Thanksgiving, when Zeke had that like two or three touchdown performance, but yeah. even then, people were still like, "Okay, that was goal line." Like, look, Dallas fans are smarter than people give them credit for. They realize that this offense is just more dynamic with Pollard. He had he's a better pass catcher than Zeke. So my entire point with this is the Zeke thing has to end eventually. He is hitting. He's very clearly hitting the back end of his career, which is very sad. We've already talked about this on the podcast yeah. about you know the mishandling of Zeke's career, but yeah. It's got to happen eventually. It's just a matter of time, and he's not Tom Brady. It's not like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like, you can see those physical signs happening. 
So I think that next year it will finally happen where Zeke just drops off the cliff enough where Mike, even Mike McCarthy goes, yeah, okay, we need to start Pollard. So I, I think that here's the interesting thing about Pollard as well. He finished even while splitting time, and that's a hard thing to quantify. I tried, trust me, I spent about an hour tonight trying to quantify what splitting time meant. You, that's a rabbit hole you do not want to go down. But because you got the receptions and the running yards, and it's just there are a whole lot of factors there. But bottom line is, I think that if Pollard can finish as the seventh ranked, notice how the seventh ranked players are coming in a lot here, as a yeah. seventh ranked running back while splitting time with Zeke Elliott, imagine what he can do as a starter. And also, Emer, here's another interesting point. My entire you know talking point so far has been assuming the Cowboys keep him. Yeah. Pollard is set to be a free agent. Now, there are some rumors that he's going to be franchise tag. I'm not entirely sure if they're going to do that. It wouldn't shock me either way. I, I'm very interested to see how the Cowboys navigate this because I think what they're going to try to do is try to offer him a long-term contract a little bit more on the cheap than he'll get in the uh, open market. So it's basically like, how much do you like Dallas? So if he goes back to Dallas, I still like his fantasy value. If he goes somewhere else, it obviously depends on the team, but I don't think he would go to a team where it's the same thing where he's splitting carries. I think he'd go to a team where he's the true unquestioned number one. How about this, Rotek? If that happens, he immediately skyrockets into late first round talk, in my opinion. Oh, easily. Easily. Oh, God like, damn it. No you were just, you were just no spraying water that. all over my <laughs> hot takes here. 100% late first round, possibly early second round, like depending on how your draft plays out, because I know a lot of people are starting to target receivers early in the first round too. And possibly yeah. with the season that Travis Kelsey had, he's probably going to be going in the first round too as well. So it's like he may slip into the second round, but definitely he's an RB1 now as far as if he yes, signs with 100%. another team. Like that's 100%. Now, no question. speaking, and we don't need to spend too much time on this, but speaking of a team that I, cause I was, while I was writing notes, I'm like, who would be a fun team that needs a running back that he could do really well with? What if Pollard becomes a dolphin? <laughs> that would be interesting. That would be interesting, but they got two running backs there that play. Yeah, he's better, really he's well, better than though. both of them. No, that's fair. And, too. That's fair. and I'm glad you brought up the system. Cause that's what made me think of it was like, he fits that system. Literally like that is a dream matchup for both parties. And I don't think he doesn't fit the system, but I'm just saying I don't know if they'd paid that much money. Like to why? Yeah, why pay that's up? Yeah, no, that's yeah, fair. That's, that's fair. Insane. It's just fun to speculate. This is why I love for the sure. offseason. For sure. For sure. Um, I'm going to get into my pick here, and that's TJ Hawkinson, tight end with the Minnesota Vikings. This is he a actually great finished pick. I love this as pick. the number I was, two fantasy sorry, tight end. Sorry to interrupt you real quick, but I was so angry when you sent me your picks because I was like, why did I think of that? I was like, damn it. Because me and again, my friends were talking about this last weekend. You time to take your yeah, picks. And no, so I, it's did. Like... I did. Because me and my friends were talking about that this weekend. It's like, he's been so hot with the Vikings. But anyway, carry on with your pick. Yeah. So, I mean, he finished as the number two fantasy tight end in standard PPR formats. Um, honestly, since he was acquired by Minnesota, he averaged 9.4 targets per game and 55.9 receiving yards per game. Like, with Detroit, though, in his first eight games or so, he averaged 6.1 targets per game and 56.4 receiving yards per game. So you're like, there's not so much of a discrepancy between the receiving yards. But the big thing with Detroit, though, as to why those numbers are skewed a little bit is he had an amazing game against the Seattle Seahawks where he went mm. off for 12 targets, 8 receptions, 179 receiving yards, and 2 receiving touchdowns. So it's like you got to take his time with Detroit with a little bit of salt. Whereas like once he got acquired by Minnesota, I mean, honestly, they were using him any way and every way that they could like I mean clearly Justin Jefferson was the star of that passing offense but TJ Hawkinson was definitely a close second behind him like there's a reason they acquired him they wanted to involve him in the offense and they're definitely going and looking his way every single chance that they could when Justin Jefferson was obviously locked up so I mean you look at this offense, too, that Kevin O'Connell ran. They were seventh in total points scored, seventh in total yards gained. So, I mean, it's like clearly this offense is clicking, too. So, most of these pieces are going to be coming back next season. So, you can automatically expect the Hawkinson now with the full season with the team, obviously with the full season mm, of practice, too. I mean, he's just going to be involved that much more. And it's like easily that you can see that. The tight end is always a tough position to draft for. But with these sort of predictions <laughs> so here – we could sort of see that Hawkinson is involved in this offense. He's going to have a good year. And here's the kicker on this one. 
2023 is a contract year for TJ Hawkinson. So depending on what happens with the contract situation, apparently they're trying to enter early discussion talks with Justin Jefferson. So if they prioritize Jefferson over Hawkinson, Hawkinson may play on the final year of his contract. So he may decide to ball out and either sign a new deal with Minnesota in the offseason then in 2024 or move on to another team and just totally cash in there. So 2023 is going to be a big year for Hawkinson. And like I said, the tight end position is always hard to draft for, but I think Hawkinson is slowly going to become a sure bet, just like your Travis Kelsey's, your Mark Andrews, your George Kittles. Now you can throw Hawkinson into that now, picture too. I'm so glad you brought that up because there are a few things I love more than a player going into a contract prove it year. Like that is just fantasy money right there is because you know, they're going to play the hardest they have in their career to lock up that, you know, that final, in a lot of cases, that final big contract opportunity. So, you know, I love that. I didn't even know that he is heading into his contract here. So that's amazing. Uh, wow, that was a great trade by the Vikings. Um, yeah. And you're right. They trust him so much that throw to him on fourth and eight thinking mm-hmm. he can get eight yards, but uh, you know, I, Sorry, Kirk Cousins. I know. I'm sure that wound is still fresh. I don't, I don't mean to rub salt in that wound. But no, I, I, like I said, I love this pick. I, I can't believe I didn't think of him. And you were – I think the biggest thing you said is he's so hard. I, I, If you've been following the podcast throughout the season, you know I hate tight ends and fantasy football so much. They are the most annoying thing in the game. Um, so yeah, I think Hawkinson is one of those great guys that honestly could slip as well. I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are slipping on him. Maybe as we get closer to the season, a lot of the sleeper talk will kind of pick up and that'll like yeah, up his value. For sure. for sure. Possibly I could definitely see that happening, but for now, if that doesn't happen and his stock stays, and I put this in quotes low. Oh, Oh, that'd be a steal. Oh dude. Imagine if you had a draft where you got Hawkinson and Trevor Lawrence. Woo. Yeah. That'd be pretty insane. So obviously those are guys that we want to target, but let's really quickly go through guys that we're sort of avoiding in 2023 drafts. Like these are guys that we just don't want any part of as of right now when we're drafting our roster. So Tad, who's a guy that you are not targeting in 2023 drafts? You people call me a crazy man. You people laughed at me. You said, Tad, what are you talking about? You don't understand quarterbacks. I told you people to stay away from Lamar Jackson. I told you to, and none of you listened to me. I was right. He finished out because my, my hot take, my hot take in the preseason was he will not be a top 10 quarterback. And everyone was like, Ted, how can you say that with all the rushing touchdowns? Blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out I was goddamn right because he finished his quarterback number 14 in fantasy football. Okay. Now here's the surprising thing. It, up until later in the season, it wasn't injuries that derailed. I will admit that's where I was wrong because it, it, like I, I called it. I thought he was going to get hurt in like week five or six or whatever. And, it, you know, it was just going to be kind of, you know, scattered throughout. Like, oh, he's questionable here. He's questionable there. To his credit, he played through the first 12 games fairly consistently. I, I believe he missed one game that span. It actually, but this is what's more concerning is the fact that it was actually him not being a top level passer that limits his potential as a fantasy option. So, Amir, let me read this out for you. Lamar Jackson played in 11 games. And now people are going to be like, you played in 12 games. He threw five passes against Denver before he got hurt. Okay, we're going to ignore that. So 11 games. Do you want to guess how many games he scored over 20 points in that span? Probably say three times. Oh, you're close, actually. Four. Four. So four out of 11. That's how many. This is a quarterback we're talking about. And a Mm -hmm. running quarterback on top of that. So a running quarterback actually has a shorter leash on that, in my opinion, of like, Mm -hmm. dude, you are more likely to give me six compared to four points in standard leagues. So what are you doing? Give me less than 20 points in over half your games. And look, I'm not going to entirely blame Lamar Jackson. He barely had anything to work with in Baltimore. His best receiver, arguably, is Rashad Bateman. And like, of course, it's very hard to succeed with that. But the point remains that, you know, we've seen Tom Brady. We've seen Peyton Manning. And yes, I'm listing off these like all-time quarterbacks. But guess what? If you were drafting this guy to be a first-round quarterback, like a lot of people were, you got to be as good as those guys. That's my that's my bar for quarterbacks. So I don't trust Lamar Jackson. Now a lot of people are going, well, what you know, you're assuming he stays in Baltimore. I could give a shit if he goes to New York. The dude's not consistent enough in terms of health to be a dependable quarterback. So I just I think in terms of injury, I think in terms of passing, I I, I think I like him as a backup quarterback. 
I, I like him as a quarterback too to keep on your bench. But honestly, I think that is his fantasy ceiling moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting what happens with the contract situation and whether he stays in Baltimore, who are now changing their offensive coordinator. So that's going to play a wrinkle into things, whether he signs to the new team. That's going to be a lot interesting as well. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson's status as far as a top 10 fantasy quarterback, it could be in jeopardy. But we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. So, honestly, Sorry, Tad, we were sort the, of talking the, the about Ravens just, the Ravens just texted me, so I need to text them back. They, they are not happy. Sure. Um, I'm going to get into, uh, you know, I was lauding Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars earlier, but you brought up this name and we were sort of wrong as far as the contract. But honestly, his fantasy production kind of worries me in 2023. And that's Christian Kirk of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So honestly, he started the season red hot in his first three games. He totaled 62.7 fantasy points per game and was ranked as the sixth best fantasy wide receiver at that time. And it's like, Nobody expect this because obviously no. just like me and Tad, a lot of people were like, you gave how much money to Christian Kirk and you're expecting him to be your wide receiver one. And it was proving it. But then here is where the problem happened. The next five weeks, he'd failed to cross 15 or more fantasy points four times out of those five weeks. So, I mean, that's mm. just saying that he started really good, but then people started to understand. That's like, okay, maybe he can actually do stuff in this offense. They started to prevent it from doing much. So, I mean, this is pretty much how the rest of the season went as well, too. Like, it was very up and down, right? He looked good for a couple of weeks. Then he looked yeah. bad for a couple of weeks. Then he looked good for a couple of weeks. Then he looked bad for a couple of weeks. So, it's just, unfortunately, it's hard to rely on that as far as the fantasy production is concerned and to keep him in your starting roster. You don't know which Christian Kirk you're going to get. So, related to that, we already brought this up before, but Calvin Ridley is going to be entering this offense. Next I was, that's why I stuck up the two fingers. For our listening audience, I stuck up two fingers when you said there was one issue. I thought you were going to say Calvin Ridley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So even if Calvin really starts out the season kind of slow because he's getting back into NFL yeah, action, he's going to start at the gates a little slow. That's still not enough to warrant me targeting Christian Kirk, because even with that short span, Calvin really is eventually going to get back into the rhythm. He's going to be a focal point of this offense. So he's eventually going to take off. And as soon as he does, Christian Kirk stock severely drops. Now, one wrinkle that I will counteract that with surprisingly is that Evan Ingram. Now, I said I was going to bring this up a little bit later. Mm, this yes, is the time now. Evan Pay Ingram is a free agent. He was signed to a one-year deal, and he had an amazing really? season this past season. I actually season. didn't know that. Yeah, so that's the big thing, whether the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to prioritize Evan Ingram and actually bring him back because he was such a good um, receiver in that offense for Trevor Lawrence, or if Evan Ingram's going to use this and be like, hey, I balled out. I'm going to go into the offseason. I'm going to totally get paid by another team and price his way out of Jacksonville. Because if he does that and prices himself out, Christian Kirk's stock then does increase because now it's Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, and it's a little bit limited as far as the passing options. Still a lot of great options for Trevor Lawrence, but it's a little bit limited because now you're losing Evan Ingram. If Evan Ingram does come back, that's where Christian Kirk takes a hit then because I think it's mm. going to be a little bit more Evan Ingram, Calvin Ridley. Christian Kirk will then just be the number two, number three option that he was just back in Arizona. So it's like he may see some flashes. You may have some good games here and there. You play in a deeper league where you have more expanded rosters. He could be a good threat. But, yeah, unfortunately, the entrance of Calvin Ridley into this offense is great for Jaguars fans, but it's going to be frustrating for fantasy football managers because now you don't know what to do with the other pieces in that passing offense. So, yeah, Christian Kirk, as great as the season he had, I'm not touching him. Evan, I hear that the weather in Indianapolis is lovely this time of year. You should check it out. Hey, hey, hey. They got Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods. <laughs> Your boy, Jelani Woods. <laughs> Jelani Woods. So. Um, but now the only thing I'll say on this, and I'm not comparing the talent level. I am comparing the roles, though. Uh, you know what the the whole Christian Kirk, uh, Calvin Ridley reminds, uh, you know, duo reminds me of? This is Chris Godwin, Mike Evans all over again. You got one really good yeah. possession receiver with one good speedster. How does that split work out? And like you said, it's going to be a very inconsistent, like one week one's going to go off, the other week the other's going to go off. So if you're willing to you know, take that risk, sure. But it's going to – it's one of those things where, yeah, you just got to kind of like just – they're definitely – they're both draftable, but you got to draft them with the you know knowledge that – maybe let him sit on the bench the first couple of weeks and see how this plays out before you kind of start talking about where to put them in the starting rotation. 
yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in Jacksonville. They were both those receivers. Possibly they had more in the offseason. They obviously spent a lot last offseason. Maybe they're going to spend more this offseason. I knows? need to look up how much In the draft, obviously, too, right? So yeah. let's get into one more guy, Tad. What's, who's another guy that you're avoiding in 2023 drafts? A guy I just brought up, Chris Godwin. I mean, like I can't, I can't trust this guy for shit. Yeah. Like it's, and here's the worst part: it's nothing against him. I honestly think he may be the most underrated receiver in the league. And I know people know he's good, but I think people are really underestimating how good this guy is. And here's the unfortunate part for him: it doesn't matter if Tom Brady comes back or not. He is screwed either way. Because if Tom Brady comes back, we all saw in the playoff game, Tom Brady, and I'm gonna do the thing, is now a shell of of his former self. Is he better than half the quarterbacks out there? Probably, but he's still not good. And so, okay, let's assume Brady comes back to his MVP self. Like we said, it was always consistent of like who he liked from week to week to week. And, and kind of the point you brought up as well. Some weeks Gronk would go off. Some weeks came a break would go off. Other weeks would be Mike Evans and it'd be Chris Godwins. And you know, who knows next year it'll be fucking Russell Gage. Like no one knows. So I don't like Godwin on top of that. I think a point a lot of people are missing with this Bucks team when it comes to fantasy, they fired Byron Leftwich, which was a really stupid firing in my opinion. Uh, am I agree or disagree? Bad firing? hundred percent agree. Okay. I, I feel like that's a general consensus. Just to make sure. Yeah. So, they're bringing someone new, uh, at least as a recording. We don't know who yet. And so that's another thing. We don't know how this new offense is going to look. Are they going to utilize Godwin well? Are they going to focus on Mike Evans? It's just there are so many question marks surrounding here. And let's assume Tom Brady leaves. They're, whoever they bring in is probably going to be a bridge quarterback because their draft pick is too good to get a good quarterback. Unless Anthony Richardson or someone takes a massive tumble, like an Aaron Rodgers-like tumble. But that doesn't really happen anymore. You notice that like there hasn't been really like a dramatic quarterback tumble in the last couple of years because they're really so depends. valued. It really depends because the draft is such a crazy situation. Well, too, that, it's like, a crap. You never know. Exactly. You never know. Yeah. So you can't depend on that. So they'll probably bring in a Tay Bridgewater or something like that. And that kills his value more because who the hell trusts a quarterback like that throwing to him. So it's just it, it, way too many question marks, way too inconsistent. Honestly, I, it's like a, uh, you're speaking of the draft, it's like a draft player with a health condition. Put him off your board. I'm not even going to touch Chris Godwin. Yeah. No, I, I, you gave me this pick, and I was like, I was actually thinking about Chris Godwin, too, because exactly like you laid out, we don't know about Tom Brady. If Tom Brady comes back, we don't know about the offensive coordinator. So even that connection is going to be weird. And, you know, missing either of those pieces is just going to be an adjustment. And so, yeah, I'm not trusting Chris Godwin, unfortunately, in 2023 as well. So I'm going to get to the last pick here. Um, Rashad Penny, running back with the Seattle Seahawks. So, this is a great pick. So honestly, like Penny looked good towards the end of the 2021 season. That's the reason why so many people were targeting him in 2022 NFL fantasy drafts here. But then the biggest thing with Rashad Penny is just he can't stay on the field. I mean, Tad, he has missed 12 or more games in two of the past three seasons. Like, I mean, this oh, guy just can't stay on the field. That's and if, you extrapolate, if you extrapolate that to the five seasons that he's been in the NFL, he has missed half of his games. Oh, oh no. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And then the biggest thing as to why I'm not trusting Rashad Penny this coming year, Kenneth Walker the third. I yep, mean, the guy just yep. had such an amazing season that it's like, how can you not go with this guy in the future now? I mean, he has started only 11 games last season and he rushed for over a thousand yards in those 11 games. Like, I mean, the guy is just such a dynamic running back. He's going to be the lead back. So even if Rashad Penny gets some touches in that backfield, it's just going to be relegated to a change of pace role. But here's where things could get a little bit interesting, Tad. Rashad Penny is a free agent this coming offseason. So if he goes back to Seattle, like I said, he's just going to be a change of pace running back in Seattle. But if he goes to another team, I'm wondering if he's going to get some sort of low prove it deal to be part of a rotation with the team. And he could have a little bit of value. But overall, for me, because of that injury history, I just don't trust him at all to be a part of my fantasy roster. It's just like I don't see it. Like, I mean, we saw that sort of glimpse of it, but it's just like I'm holding out too much hope for to capture that 2021 Rashad Penny at the end of the season. And it's just like, I'm not going to invest everything that I can. Like, I mean, maybe as a late round pick, but it's like, there are better picks out there, especially with the incoming rookies and the off season changes. So yeah, Rashad Penny, you're done to me in fantasy leagues. 
Yeah, no, and I'm sure our, our people watching this video and our listening audience are gonna be like, "What the hell is Tad doing?" Because as soon as you said that, I was like running through the list of all the teams in my head of like who needs a running back. The only team that could sign him where I could really see like some real fancy potential there, because I got through about half the divisions before you kicked it to me. The Bears, if they lose David Montgomery and he goes to the Bears, I could Maybe. see some yeah. some potential there. But overall, like I just I can't see any team signing him for anything other than a complimentary role. So exactly. I mean, again, going back to the Chris Godwin thing with Rashad Penny, I'm just throwing off my board. He'll be an interesting waiver wire watch that he'll Maybe. probably make a guest appearance on that episode when we do that in September. Uh, but oh my god, I'm gonna be 29 when we do that episode. But uh, you know, it's just <laughs> one of those things where, yeah, it's. I think he's an excellent waiver uh, watcher, but yeah, like you said, it's just it's one of those things. And and even if he goes back to Seattle, it's just like the timeshare is just gonna eat into his value. It's just it's not even worth looking at, in my opinion. Yeah, and honestly, I used this Rashad Penny like player that I'm avoiding as sort of an extension of players that I'm targeting. Kenneth Walker, Walker the third. Yeah. I mean, that guy's just gonna yeah. be so good in Seattle. No. You've been you've been riding for him for a while. That I have. Dude is legit. I have. You know yeah. this was that that was a good dude to ride with. I yeah. You pick Kenneth Walker. I pick Kenny Pickett. I I feel bet better about your Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So that's sort of the fantasy portion of today's episode. Like we talked about in the intro, we're going to get to our divisional round preview picks and predictions. Very similar to what we did last weekend where we previewed the Super Wild Card weekend. But yeah, now we're getting through four games here. So we got the Saturday slate. They're going to start it off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the number four seed, traveling to Kansas City to play the Kansas City Chiefs, the number one seed. That's going to be a 1.30 p.m. Pacific time, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, and that is going to be on NBC, surprisingly. So that's going to be the NBC huh. game. So, yeah, current spread in that game is nine points, courtesy of our friends at Bet Online, in favor of Kansas City. Um Tad, this was your game to sort of predict. Like, give us your quick analysis as far as I think it's all going to play out. Look, guys, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not being biased because they are the Jaguars, and I do hate them, I really do. But let's <laughs> let's I, look. I, you put out your biases and then say that they don't matter, and they really don't. Because I honestly, I love that. Oh man, I'm gonna make a lot of LAFB people mad. That comeback was awesome. I got a real kick out of that. And I already told you, if you want to hear the story of why I got a kick out of that, go to last week's episode, listen to that because I I broke it down there. But let's be real. You are not coming back 27 points against the Chiefs. That's not happening because the Chargers offense, that's where everything went wrong. I don't know why they – did they fire their D.C. too or was it just O.C.? Just the offensive coordinator is, has been fired. Okay. Good. Honestly, good. Good. Because I'm glad the defense didn't get the blame. They deserve a little bit of the blame obviously. Yeah. But you can't score a single point in the Seriously. second half. Like, come on. With Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, like, come on. So it's it's one of those things where I it's not going to happen against the Chiefs. And I especially became confident in this after I found this stat. Are you ready? The Chiefs on the season are minus 11 in the first half in point differential. Do you want to okay. guess what they are in the second half? Probably some ridiculous amount in the plus column, I'm assuming. Plus, plus 65. And yeah, point difference on the second half. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. There, that is, I honestly, I, if I have more time, I will look up like historically where that ranks. Sure. But they are the depth. I mean, God, that is the very definition of a second half team. The problem mm -hmm. is, if you're a minus 11 in the first half, means that you have blown or you have put up some pretty big deficits against yourself. If you do that against the Chiefs, it's not going to happen because, like I said, the Chargers offense is incompetent. The Chiefs offense isn't looking incompetent in about, what, three or four years now? Or six yeah. six years. Mahomes mm -hmm. has been playing for six years now. They've never looked incompetent with the Mahomes. When was the last time you were like, wow, this Chiefs offense just can't get it going? Honestly, when? Because I was trying to think when I was putting my notes together. When was the last time you said that about the Chiefs? Probably the 2020 Super Bowl when they played the Buccaneers. Okay, no, that's actually fair. No, because I said the same thing. Okay, but that's that's and obviously it was the world's biggest stage, so it kind of worsened it. But yeah. even like, okay, that's one game in the last six years that you can remember. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Right. So it's just not gonna happen. Sorry, guys. I now I'm, I will say this, and you know, to somewhat defend the Jaguars, and I just took about five years off my life just saying that sentence. But I I don't think it's gonna be a complete blowout. I don't. So my, my ultimate prediction is something around, I don't know, 31, 17, 38, 20, something like that. The Jaguars are going to kind of hang in there a little bit, but,
But this is the important thing. Notice those two score predictions. Both of them are more than nine. So I actually like, and usually, and you guys know me, especially if you've been listening to the podcast all season, I usually stay away from spreads this big. I like Kansas City minus nine at minus 110 odds. Again, uh, given by our partners at Bet Online. So minus 110, I kind of like it. Sorry, Bet Online. I'm kind of telling them how to steal money from you, but yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to play out very similar. I think that Jaguars are going to play it close early on. The Chiefs are going to struggle yeah, a little bit, exactly. mm-hmm. a little bit of that one week, you know, they always say rest versus rust. So I think we may see a little bit of rust early on, but then, yeah, the Chiefs are just going to get into a groove and they're just going to be able to do whatever they want on offense. And because of that, the defense is going to be rested. They're going to prevent Jacksonville from doing anything that they want to do on offense. So I think I got a final score prediction here of the Chiefs 34 Jaguars 20. I think there's going to okay, be, so we're like, we're on the same page. There. Yeah, so I think the Chiefs are going to be able to roll to this, score especially in the to second score half. Win. Yeah, exactly. So I got that there. Um, second game on Saturday. This should be pretty fun. I think we got the New York Giants, the number six seed, playing the other number one seed, the Philadelphia. You think this is going to be a good game? I, I think it'd be interesting because what do I always say about divisional games? It could go either direction. No, that's so, I mean, there's just another divisional game here. So that's going to be a 515 Pacific time, 815 Eastern time. That is going to be on Fox. And current spread in this game is seven and a half points in favor of Philadelphia. Um, look, the Giants were able to move on because, I mean, Minnesota can't play defense to save their life. That's pretty much the main reason as to why they couldn't win that game. But also the big thing is that the Giants defense they prevented they Justin Jefferson good, from man. doing anything against them. Like they totally bottlenecked him, prevented him from doing any sort of damage against their defense. And that ultimately stopped the rhythm and flow of this Minnesota offense. Because I mean, we talked about this earlier that they flew flow. That offense flows through Justin Jefferson. Excuse me. So, I mean, we're having a lot of trouble with grammar this episode. <laughs> the past tense of flow and flew. And I was just like, what sounds better? So I was like, yeah, I don't know, but they clearly flew. this offense goes through Justin Jefferson for Minnesota. And the fact that he couldn't get going, I think that obviously affected the offense. Like Dalvin cook got shut down too. So, I mean, it's like the running game on top of that was just not as effective. Now TJ Hawkinson had a great game, but I think by default, by default, he got involved because Justin Jefferson got locked up. Adam Thielen, I think, scored a touchdown in that game, if I remember correctly. So it's like all these other guys were getting involved a little bit. But overall, like this Minnesota offense was sort of struggling because they couldn't get their main playmaker going. And so this is going to be tough for, uh, for Philadelphia because Philadelphia is coming off the bye. They are way better on both sides of the ball. Like, I mean, like I said, Minnesota is bad on defense, but Philadelphia is good on defense. They have two dynamic receivers where it's like you only have to lock up one with Minnesota. You have to worry about both A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard is healthy now, too. So it's like that's going to be a lot to worry about. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, that could be a little bit of a question mark. He's still dealing with the shoulder injury. So, I mean – but he gritted through it the last time he played the Giants, and they won pretty yep, convincingly in that final regular season game for the Eagles to clinch that number one seed. So I think it could be an issue, but you also had to just let, look at the history from this past season. In two regular season games between the Giants and the Eagles, the Eagles outscored the Giants 70-38. to 38. So, I mean, clearly oh. the Giants just can't score uh, on this great. Eagles defense, yeah, and you great. give them a week off, that's just going to help the Eagles just sort of be a little bit more comfortable game plan for either team. In this case, obviously the Giants. You face them three times in a row, and I know the old adage, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row, but I think in this case, Philadelphia should be able to control this game on both sides of the ball, prevent the Giants from doing anything that they did in the previous weekend against the Minnesota Vikings, and it's going to be a pretty decisive win. I got a little bit lower scoring. I think the Giants are going to be a little bit closer at the beginning, the defenses, and like I said, very similar to Kansas City. There may be a little bit rust with Philadelphia uh, early on, but I still got Eagles winning by 10 points here. I got the final score of the Eagles 27, the Giants 17. And the prop that I have in this game is obviously AJ Brown's going to have a good game, but like I said, they have two dynamic receivers. So I got Devonte Smith to have one plus uh, touchdown in this game. I like that one. That's a good pick. Plus That's 177. Pick. I really, really like that bet. So Devonte, uh, Devonte Smith to score and Philadelphia to win at plus 177. But your quick thoughts on Giants and Eagles. 27, 10. I think like okay, you're, I, I think you're right. It's going to be a little, yeah, it's a touchdown difference from your prediction, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's going to be one of those things where you're, I, I completely agree with you where they, they play it close in the beginning and sh- it's kind of like when Alabama plays uh, I'm trying to think like Vanderbilt or something really close in the first half. And it's like Alabama 21 Vanderbilt 10. And you're like, 
Oh, oh, could this be it? Oh, and then all of a sudden Alabama scores like 30 points in the second half. Yeah, We're like, exactly. oh, no, all right, never mind. And I think that's going to be kind of the case in this game of like the first half is going to be closer than a lot of people think. And you're going to have all the analysis of like, could the Giants do this? This is what the Giants need to do and pull it off. And then it's going to be like, oh, no, this is this is the better team in Philadelphia. So, I look, I, I, it's nothing against the Giants. I think they're a really fun team to watch. I, we talked about this the last episode we recorded. You and I both called that upset, so they made us look great. So thank you, New York. But unfortunately, <laughs> I just think they they need to do a little bit more roster building. But, hey, they are a team to look out for next year. 100%. 100%. And our good friend on LAFB Network, Kerry Grongard, he even said, too, that like, this is ahead of where a lot of people think the Giants should be. <laughs> a so, lot I of mean, people. I feel like everybody. Yeah, pretty much everybody. But it's just like Brian Dable is a great coach. I think he's got a lot of good things that are going to happen with this team going forward. And exactly like you said, I think they just need to fill out just a couple more pieces on either on both sides of the ball, excuse me. And I think they could be very competitive in the NFC East going forward for sure. So I like the Giants going forward as well. But in this game, fortunately, they're going to be gone going back home to start planning for that offseason (laughs) that philadelphia will move on so let's get to the sunday slate here we got cincinnati the number three seed that's the early game against the buffalo bills the number two seed that's going to be happening at 12 p.m pacific time 3 p.m eastern time and that will be on cbs current spread in this game is a little bit closer than the other two games this is five and a half points in favor of buffalo so i mean ted you got this game here so what do you think about cincinnati and buffalo this is the game of the week, in my opinion. This is the okay. one I'm the most excited for. I think this is going to be a, a shootout. I cannot wait for it. Um, and here's why I'm really excited. So if you guys would like to see my my own and Emer's playoff predictions, go to our Instagram and our Twitter handles, which are listed below, and you will find the brackets that we put together. And I, I got a little bit of surprise uh, from some certain people because they were like, really? Yeah, the Bengals winning it all? And like, people are really sleeping up. This Bengals I was one of them. Good, I texted man. you and I was like, really? The Bengals? And yeah. Then, yeah. I'm telling you, man, I know coming off that Ravens game, but like you said, to help your point, those division games, man, they can be crazy. So I'm not panicking over that. I'm truly not. I'm not just saying this for the podcast. I'm truly not panicking over that Ravens uh, game, especially because here's why. The Buffalo Bills, I don't think are receiving enough criticism. Actually, I, like not enough people are talking. They walked into this season as like these um with this reputation, these unbeatable juggernauts. Uh, Tony Romo actually called them the champions. Did you see that? I don't remember that one, but yeah, he, I kid you not. Look this up. To Tony Romo like just... called them the champions, and then like five minutes later <laughs> in the broadcast, he had to be like, "I know they haven't actually won a championship." Yeah. It's like, what? So, so why are you calling them the champion? It's just, it's whatever. <laughs> champions so like of the AFC East, I guess. Like, I mean, <laughs> congratulations on that. That's a real crowning achievement. Yeah. But my entire point is like they they they're so overhyped because they have looked so beatable the last couple of weeks, and especially now because look. I think ultimately I'm not taking anything away from the Bills. I'm not saying they're – well, I kind of am saying they're overrated. But I, I'm not saying they're a bad team. I'm just saying I think this will be such a close matchup. It comes down to the most important thing in football and it almost always comes down to this. Who wins the turnover battle? Mm-hmm. Which is really, really bad news for the Bills because Josh Allen turns over the ball surprisingly – a lot. So he threw for 14 picks this year, which was tied for second in the league, and eight fumbles, which is tied for second in the league as well. So he turned the ball over 22 times. He's very careless with the ball, and that is a big issue. And on top of that, it's it's different if it's like, okay, this other team is like just, you know, they're they're whatever. They're coming in. They had a good season. The Bengals have won nine straight games. They are on a very hot streak. They are very i won't say full of them they're very confident let's go with that and in that span joe burrow has thrown for 18 touchdowns and five picks and on top of that we need to remember not just Demar hamlin i'm talking about here Javius white has not been the same since he's come back from his acl he's not been terrible i'm not saying he's been terrible but he's not been the same borderline all pro corner that he was before so Javius white's uh you know, still coming back from that injury. And the rest of the secondary, there are injuries all over that secondary, ignoring Hamlin. And then you bring in Hamlin, who obviously still isn't playing. That's a banged up secondary against uh, playing one of the hottest offenses in the league. I ultimately think Cincinnati is going to win this 34 to 24. I really do. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Also, and so on top of that, my favorite bet, and thank you again for Battle Line for giving me an amazing odd that I legitimately placed money on. While I was doing research on this, I'm like, and 50 there. (laughs) 
<laughs> Cincinnati money line plus 210. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So I actually think this is going to be a lot closer game. I think Buffalo is going to play it tough. Cincinnati's going to play it tough. I already brought this up in the episode earlier this week. That's like Cincinnati's offensive line sort of worries me a little bit as far as just how they're going to be able to keep protecting for Joe Burrow. That's the definition of Achilles heel right there. Like this team is perfect everywhere. And position group is like, Ooh, yeah, so that's going to worry me a little bit. Um, we talked about this over the last weekend. We were both wondering, why does Eli Apple still have a starting job in the NFL? Oh, because I that's going to that, be man. worrisome for me, hate- too. Because, I mean, if Buffalo could take advantage of his coverage, then, I mean, that's going to be able to allow Buffalo to sort of move the ball down the field and obviously score more touchdowns. So it's like that could sort of offset any potential Josh uh, Allen turnovers then because they're going to be able to score a lot here. But I think both defenses are going to play it tight. I think the offense is going to be a little bit limited at certain times. So I got a little bit of a lower score. Um, Hmm. I got the bills winning this game though. I got them winning 24 to 21 over the Bengals. Tyler Bass is going to get the game winning field goal as to why they're going to win that game. But just, yeah, I got it being a little bit closer, but honestly it wouldn't surprise me if Cincinnati does pull off the upset because it's like, like you said, it's like, if that offensive line, like all MacGyvered together, can sort of hold up against Buffalo, they can easily win this game. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to be completely shocking if Cincinnati pulls off the upset, but I just like Buffalo to sort of keep things rolling along, get to the championship game on the AFC side to play against the Kansas City Chiefs, who I already predicted in the I previous call. I feel like so. the Chiefs are going to kill them. I'm saying getting to the championship game. I don't know about what's going to happen. No, no, that's what I'm game. saying. That's why I hope it's like, that. No, no, that's why I hope it's not the Bills though. Because uh, early prediction, if it is Bills Chiefs, I'm taking the Chiefs by like at least 13. Interesting. Okay. How about that? Right. How about that for a take? Josh so Allen's about we... to win it all, isn't he? <laughs> so before we get to the championship rounds, we still have one more game. And honestly, Tad, I mean, maybe this is a little biased, but maybe we saved the best game for last. Hey, I gave this here. one to you on purpose. Just go for it, buddy. I, I'm not even going to do the like typical mm-hmm thing while you're talking. You just run with it. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, the number five seed, will be playing the San Francisco 49ers. My San Francisco 49ers, the number two seed. That's going to be happening at 3.30 p.m. Pacific time and 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. That is going to be on Fox. And current spread in this game, this is the lowest of the four games. Current spread in this game is four points in favor of San Francisco. So honestly, Tad, I like the Sunday slate of games better than the Saturday slate of games. I like Cincinnati Buffalo. And of course, Dallas San Francisco is going to be fantastic. So I mean, the weekend is going to end on a very high note when it comes to playoff football. Obviously, fingers crossed. We don't know how the games are going to turn out, but we'll see. Um, But honestly, the Dallas Cowboys, I know a lot of people want to knock the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they just look listless. They look like the shell of themselves. But Dallas still was clicking on all cylinders. So I mean, it's like you can still look bad against a bad team and still come away the victory but dallas was looking very very sharp on both sides of the ball and the biggest thing tad that i was telling you is just that this is going to be the biggest test for brock Purdy because we looked we talked about this earlier this week that's like the teams that he has played up until now i'd probably say their defenses were like maybe average at best like i mean they had some good defenses but nothing too spectacular Dallas is a top five unit. Like, I mean, that's no question right there. And they looked really good against Tampa Bay. Like I said, once again, Tampa Bay did not play all that well against Monday night on Monday night football, but still they're going to give San Francisco a hard time. And very similar to what we talked about with the Cincinnati Bengals and making sure that they could protect Joe Burrow. If Dallas can get good pressure on Brock Purdy and knock him down a few times and just get a lot of pressure, they're going to have an advantage because, you know, The offensive line is pretty good for San Francisco, but yeah, Dallas has a pretty good pass rush. Obviously, Michael Parsons is in the running for defensive player of the year. I mean, there's a possibility that there could be some issues there with Brock Purdy having to scroll out, throw some balls away, maybe take some sacks, and that can eventually rattle him. But obviously, the flip side of that is that if the offensive line can protect Purdy and he sort of looks the same way that he's looked all these past few games— Niners have this one in the bag because, I mean, just honestly, both these defenses like sort of cancel each other out. Like both defenses play really well. And it's really just very similar where it's like whoever can win that turnover battle, that can be a big difference maker in this game for sure. Because that happened last year, too. There's a couple key turnovers that led to San Francisco eventually being able to take the lead. There's a couple turnovers that didn't cost them, but Dallas was able to get themselves into opportunities to potentially capitalize on them. They didn't, unfortunately. So, I mean, it's going to be very similar to last year where it's like whoever can make a key turnover or two, that's going to swing this game. But, yeah, very much. If that offensive line holds up, protects Purdy, he looks the same as he has these last 11 games or whatever. Especially last week. Woo! 
Like, I mean, it's just insane how good he's been looking. So both rushing attacks are really good. We already talked about Tony Pollard in the fantasy segment. Ezekiel Elliott, yeah, every so often. Obviously, the Niners got Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel when he wants to run. Like, I mean, this is going to be a fun game to watch both on offense and defense. And it's really going to be who can win that turnover battle and who can protect their quarterback a little bit better. Because, yeah, if you get pressure on Dak Prescott, that's going to affect things too for him. He's going to be prone to throw some turnovers too. So, I mean, maybe it's a biased pick here, but I like San Francisco to win this game. I like them to protect Brock Purdy. Score. I like him to get his thing going on. I got a little bit lower scoring here. I got it San Francisco winning 20 to 13 over the Dallas Cowboys here. And I'll close it out with a prop bet here. Christian McCaffrey is going to have a field day against the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to open up some good lanes for him. So I got Christian McCaffrey 87 plus rushing yards at plus 127. I hate that. It's a little risky, but uh, what were the odds again? Uh, plus 127. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. Like, if, if it was minus 127, I wouldn't like that as much, but plus 127, I like that a lot, actually. Um, and now I, I agree with you, and that's why I was laughing when you gave your score prediction because uh, mine was 20, uh, 20 to 14. 49ers. <laughs> nice. Nice. So either either you had them missing an extra point or making a field goal. So hey, this is one of those. Brett Maher, I mean, I oh, know that's Tristan. a good point. I didn't even think of that one. I, I know they joke. signed Tristan, Tristan Viscaino as sort of like an insurance yeah, plan. I don't know if he's going to be that active. Name. I wasn't. Because that's the big thing. I don't know whether he's going to be active in case Brett Maher misses something he's during the game active. that they're like. He's going to be active. So that's going to be an interesting thing to that's watch the, too. Like how's Brett Maher's mentality in this game? Yeah. No, that's the better bet. Is is that guy going to be active or not? But um, <laughs> no, I mean, and, and here's the funny thing is, is ultimately what it came down to and just knowing Mike McCarthy because he always blows in the playoffs by doing something really stupid. And here's the stupid thing going all the way back to our first segment, almost 45 minutes ago. I bet you anything, they're going to lean way too heavily on Zeke. And for some reason, he's not going to put Pollard in there. And all the, I can already see now, all the Cowboys fans, I'm going to be able, I'm going to California this weekend. I'm going to be able to hear them from California, all the way from (laughs) Dallas, being like, why is Pollard not in? Because that just screams a Mike McCarthy thing to do. I bet you anything that is how you guys shut him down. Is because for some reason he still thinks it's like Zeke Elliott from 2022, or well, we're in 2020, whatever 2020. Like it's just it's gonna be he's he thinks he's old Zeke for some reason. I bet you that's gonna be the Cowboys' downfall. If not this week, let's assume they pull off the upset. I cannot see the Cowboys making the Super Bowl. This eight this take is probably going to age horribly, but I'm gonna stick with it. <laughs> Now, I'm very much in the boat. If somehow the Cowboys are able to pull up the upset here and move on, I like Philadelphia to beat them too, yeah, so or possibly, I, you know, the Giants. With, if they he have was one with Gardner Minshew. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Dallas is just like, yeah, I just – I feel like they're prone to beat themselves, and that's sort of what's going to yeah, happen. Inconsistent. For sure. For sure. So – Ooh, that was a long episode for us, buddy. But yeah, we got through a lot of great topics. We got through some fantasy stuff, of course. And of course, we gave our divisional round preview. And I mean, we'd love to hear from you on everything that we discussed just today's episode and previous episodes. And I mean, just we talked about it before, but you see that ticker down below. You see our social media handles. You can find us on Twitter. My personal handle, Ebisai23. You got Tad's at Tadsai94. You got the show handle at the Decide Guys. And we're on Instagram as well at the Decide Guys as well. So make sure you hit us up. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think is going to happen in the divisional round who's going to move up to the championship rounds in their respective conferences what do you think about players that you're thinking about drafting or avoiding in 2023 fantasy drafts we'd love to hear your thoughts there um but yeah guys i mean just we appreciate everybody who's tuning in and hey the best way you could tune in to make sure you're catching up on all of our episodes subscribe related to your podcast whether that's on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify listen right on the lefb network website just hit that subscribe button Always be up to date on all the latest and greatest that's happening with us on the podcast. And subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have our own individual YouTube channel, on individual yeah, YouTube do. playlist. How about that for an announcement? No, you're right. We do have our own individual YouTube channel now, too, under the LAFB umbrella still. But now it's our own individual channel. So, yeah, you can make sure to subscribe to that channel. So always be up to date with all the latest videos that we're dropping, some YouTube shorts. we got a lot of great content that's coming in the off season, So make sure you subscribe there. Always be up to date with everything that's happening there. But, I mean, guys, to everybody who's interacting with us, who's watching videos, listening to the podcast, anything and everything, guys, seriously, we can't thank you enough. And like Amir said, yes, this was a long episode, but it is because we love talking sports and not just football. Amir and I are both very well-versed in basketball. Amir is more well-versed in baseball than I am. So if you want to take uh, talk baseball, hit Amir up. 
in, at that handle below. If you want to talk basketball, hit either one of us up. If you want to talk, I will yo, say neither of us are well versed in hockey though. <laughs> I feel like I'm more well versed in that than you. So Maybe, but it's though. like a scotch. Oh god, yeah. I mean, I'll try. I'll try. It'll be a lot of it, you know, chill like the the video game talk. Like, hey, I'm I'm down to try. It'll be funny to see it. Um, so <laughs> hit us up there. We have some very exciting announcements. I know I've been in yo teasing this for weeks and weeks to come, but we are tease will pay close. off. It will pay off. We are getting so and guys, I promise you, it's a really really cool reveal. So keep tuning in because we're not gonna tell you which specific episode, but it is an episode coming up in the very near future before this month is up, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. That's so correct. before January is up, we will make the reveal. So be sure to keep tuning in. Any questions you have about fantasy football, playoff football, betting, draft stuff, we're here for you. We want to interact with you. If you just want to joke around, please, I've had some very hostile reactions. If you guys want a good laugh, go to my handle right below. Look at the recent interactions I've had with TCU fans. It's pretty funny. So like, it's just, I love to interact with people. So please just talk to us. It's going to be a great time. And thank you so much for listening, as Amir said. And as always, everyone, please stay safe. Mm-hmm.